Hello, and welcome to HFG's new podcast, Actual Talk. I am Will Gallimore, and each episode we will have a different guest from the insurance industry talking about their career and giving their market insight. We hope you enjoy today's episode. This morning we're joined by Tom Chamberlain, old friend I've known for a long time. He was at University of Oxford, mathematics, before joining Norwich Union in Norwich. Then he moved to Alliance, we did nearly 14 years, and most recently is at HX. So welcome, Tom. Thank you very much. Nice and lovely to be here. So do you want to take us back to, should we talk about the Oxford days? Oxford days. Did you do Oxford properly? Um, did I do Oxford properly? <laughs> Not sure what that means. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, it's a while back now. Um, and you just mentioned Norwich Union there. So like more more recently, Aviva, uh, that's how far back uh, we're sort of going when it was still Norwich Union days. But yeah, Oxford was, uh, Oxford was good. Um, I think uh, as a lot of people there enjoyed it to the full, um, maximised the education, maximised the fun. Um, it's a good city. Uh, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've been out there much, but it's, uh, it's a really good city to study in. You kind of forget all of the history uh, once you're there, except when people come and visit and they look around and go, wow, look at all these surroundings. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very nice. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Um, I have a lot of friends still uh, from university, um, good close-knit group of friends who are still hanging out together, whatever it is, 20, 30, 30, 25, 26 years later. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, uh, it's been good. But, and, and that genuinely helped me get into um, insurance in the first place. So I guess that's where the journey started. Um, I don't know if you know, but uh, I think Oxford and Cambridge um, and some of the other ones do something called Milk Round. Um, that certainly used to be a thing um, uh, when I was there. Um, basically, the town hall would fill out with uh, lots of um, lots of companies who were eager to get some of the best um, uh, maths, engineering, whatever other was graduates, um, and then like the dregs, which was people like me uh, who were looking around, going, "Oh, surely, surely someone must want to offer me a job." And luckily, Norwich Union was one of those places. And they, yeah, they, 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 I sent, I gave them my CV, which at that point was uh, very much some sort of work experience in a bar and uh, hopefully a good degree. And they, uh, they offered me a job, said, yeah, would you like to come to Norwich um, over the summer between your third and fourth year? And yeah, come and work for us. I said, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So I phoned them up, had a quick chat. And I said, yeah, this is really good. So come work. I said, well, what, what am I going to be doing? He said, oh, yeah, you're going to be uh, in the actuarial team. I said, okay, well, what's that? Um, and they went, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll explain it all when, uh, when you come. And, and, and genuinely, it wasn't, actuarial wasn't a career that I'd sort of thought about, but having an opportunity to go and work over the summer, see a bit of, uh, see a bit of industry, whatever that might be, I thought that would be a good experience. Um, and it genuinely was. Um, I uh, set out in the reserving team, uh, met some really great people who, again, I still know in the market. And yeah, after my short stint there over the summer, they kindly offered me a job. So all I needed to do was to get my 2-1, which I duly did, and then went and joined them. And that must have been in 2001, I think. Yeah, 2001. So going way back. But yeah, that's where it all started. I love that. And had you been to Norwich before? Did you know much about Norwich? No, uh, <laughs> completely not. And my, uh, my girlfriend at the time actually uh, uh, moved, moved with uh, me to uh, Norwich and she got a job. She was uh, trained to be a teacher. She, we met at Oxford as well. Uh, she's a historian. And she got a job in Norwich very kindly. And uh, we, we moved out there not knowing anyone there apart from the few people that I'd met. And I don't know how I don't know how well you know Norwich, but it's a um, 
it's 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 a funny place. It's, it's definitely not like Oxford, uh, and certainly not like London. And it was, unless you're really from there, it's hard to sort of get to know everyone sort of socially apart from people in work. So you get to meet people at work, you go socialise with people at work, but apart from that, yeah, you you don't really. It's very hard to absorb yourself in in the local culture. But it's it's an, it was a nice place. It was good to get get going at work there. It's it's not kind of crazy London. It's a nice city and it's affordable to live at least it was when when we were there uh, we actually managed to buy a house uh, which i think if we'd moved straight to london there was absolutely zero chance uh, of us doing that and that was a couple of years um there when um actually we realized that we wanted to be a bit closer to all of our friends who had all moved down to london and were doing uh, very well thank you very much and luckily this was norwich union had merged then with cgu to become cgnu and then later rebranded to aviva and they were looking for people to come down to London and come and work in some of the pricing team. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't really into reserving. Um, I didn't. I didn't get it. Um, I know a lot of people do, and it's it's um, it's it's a really good area to be working in. But it's definitely not for me. And an opportunity to come and work on the pricing side, particularly the commercial pricing side, which um, at the time was uh, still nothing like the market is these days. This is pre-actress, pre-e-broking um, and iMarket type of stuff. Uh, an opportunity to come down and actually do something a little more innovative. Um, reserving, yes, you were people were coming up with new theories and stuff, but uh, for a junior sort of reserving actuary, you're very much just turning the handle each quarter. But it, it was it, it was very it felt very much process driven each quarter, and that wasn't something I was so interested in. And an opportunity to go and do the pricing side um, at a time when all of this digitization was happening uh, was 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 really exciting. And I um, quickly became the manager of the uh, small business package team. So all the kind of small businessy stuff you can buy online now. That was a time when they were moving from call centers to trying to do this online. And I helped uh, move that sort of transformation forward. And I think that was probably probably the first time I realized that that that, that kind of thing, that, that transformation piece, the, 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 the digital piece, that was something I was genuinely interested in way more than the sort of theoretical um either reserving or uh, even the pricing sort of side of things that 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 transformation certainly looking back i, I pinpointed it, it's like yeah that was the first point where i went oh actually i quite i quite like this sort of stuff and that's 20 years ago so it'd been pretty cutting edge wouldn't it it was yeah it was it was something that that no one was doing and and this was the very very early days of actress when they were trying to get lots of companies together to have a common data schema so look, we ask the market the same questions, we'll ask the brokers the same questions, and then we all get the same answers, and then we can go and do with it what you want. But obviously, being different insurers, everyone wanted to ask different questions. So we all came with our 100-question uh, set and then tried to merge 10 companies' 100-question sets together. So instead of having one question set of 100 questions, we had one question set which was about, well, probably 1,000. <laughs> well, and, and, that, and that obviously wasn't going to work. And that was a long and painful process where it, it was it was stupid things like um, asking questions like the number of windows in the building as opposed to no, no no I want to know the number of windows on the front of the building and you're like seriously there's probably a better way for this um, but slowly but surely the, the idea sort of caught on actually it's in everyone's benefit to get this into a, a common place and yeah figuring out that sort of puzzle was was again all part of the uh, fun and so you had that bit there which is the more aggregator led and then you have the 
more e-broking stuff, which is now the sort of portals online that you can go and buy your business insurance from, uh, from the companies. And yeah, it was it was cutting edge because you had to make sure that the pricing needed to be spot on and the way you're asking the questions need to be spot on and the way that you sort of manage the data flow in the process needed to be uh, there as well so it was it was it was really a a kind of bit of a key turn i think for that market sort of heading more towards where personal lines had gone um yeah very exciting and yeah i yeah i say cutting edge as well yeah and then you made the move to alliance mm. yeah so um i'd qualified as an actuary to me slightly longer um than some friends i think i took uh, six years and I'd, I'd had a, I think everyone has one at least one actuarial stumbling block somewhere uh, and mine came when we changed from the old uh, number system 101 102 to CA I, can't, I don't even remember where they all are now but there's I think it was CA1 which was this double exam um, and I was always I was passing either the first one and then not the second one or the second one and not the first one um, and that was a painful year and a half as so I'd done pretty much all the other exams and it's like why can't I just finish this um, stupid thing. <laughs> I, I probably there's probably a bunch of actors out there um, who who can sympathise with uh, with that. Um, and so, having qualified, I'd worked at Aviva then for just coming up to seven years, I think. And it was I, I, I loved I loved working there. It was it was genuinely a really amazing place. I'd made so many friends. It was we we'd done a lot and. I, the, the temptation to stay was very, very strong, but I had a few people, friends in the market who were pushing me to, um, uh, actually headhunters, funny enough, pushing me to go, no, no, you need to go and experience some other things and take your learnings and, and, and go there. And um, I started having a look around and then I'd, I almost took a job at uh, Lloyd's, not Lloyd's of London, uh, but uh, Lloyd's Bank, where they were looking for people to come in and sort of do more market research, write papers on what was going on in the market. And it, it sounded like a really interesting sort of thing. And then right at the last minute, just as I was accepting the offer, someone else came in and went, okay, you've got to come and meet these people at AGCS, so Allianz Global Corporate Specialty. Um, they are about to go through this massive transformation. They want to basically do what you've just done for Aviva, but on the commercial and specialty side of things and, and the big corporate lines. And I was like, well, yeah, but I've, I've, got to, I've got this job I'm, just, I'm about to take. And I went, okay, just, just, just come and meet um, meet this person. And I uh, met this guy called uh, Cor Rasmussen, um, amazing guy, um, Danish. And um, he, yeah, he, he, he had a chat to me on the Monday and we realized that there was probably something in there. Um, Tassela Hummel, who was the chief actor at the time, flew out on the Wednesday to meet me. And then on the Friday, they'd made me an offer. And it was genuinely something which was fascinating and it was it was a hard choice then because the Lloyd's job was would have been something quite different but this was a, a sort of a big opportunity to be part of an even bigger transformation piece in a part of the market that was still very much um, probably not even on excel sheets at that point and lo lots of different regions doing lots of different things so the opportunity to come and help transform that was too good to miss uh, so I joined them and yeah 14 years later um, eventually left but that that was that was a good move in the end. Um, as I said, I was really sad to leave Aviva, but it was time to go and do something else. So the next chapter. Um, so yeah, it was good. I, I think that's so interesting, the, the whole interview process, because we say to people the whole time, the candidates are interviewing the clients as much as the clients interviewing the candidate and giving that candidate that amazing experience where they feel loved, they felt, you obviously felt really bought into core and the team. Mm -hmm. That it's so important to 
to move quickly if you can. If you find someone you like, keep, keep the process moving and, and get through the, the process and offer the person if you like them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about finding the fit. I, I, was ma- I made it, because I was having, because I had another job as well. It, was, it wasn't sort of too hard for me to say, well, no, I'm not gonna, not gonna wanna do this. So I, I had also the opportunity to make it very, very clear what it is that I could bring. And I was a bit worried at the start that they were looking for a very technical actuary to come in and help build out all of these models, which was part of the job. But actually, that's not what my forte was. My, my, my strength was going around and convincing underwriting teams that this new way of working was actually really good and it's actually gonna benefit them and getting that sort of buy-in. But that's exactly what they wanted. They said, we, we, we've got technical actuaries coming out of our ears. We want you to come in and basically be a traveling salesperson to go and speak to all the different regions, get them all on board. And, and that was, and I was excited and, and finding that fit was, was perfect. It could, it, that could have easily gone after the first meeting. Oh no, no, this, this doesn't work. And we'd have found out very, very quickly. So just being sort of open and honest about what the job is and find, making sure that fit works. And then everything else is just the details around the side. So I think, I think for, for any job where that fit works like that, the process can go incredibly quickly. Uh, and that's also happened at, um, at some other uh, interviews that I did sort of post Alliance as well to before I joined, um, before I joined HX. And yeah, really, really finding that bit, you know, you don't, you can assess relatively quickly, I think, uh, and you can look at people's sort of past experience and, and what they've been doing to say, are, are they going to be technically able or not, right? You don't know how many tests you really want to consider. I know people do a lot of psychometric tests and things like this. Um, and there's sometimes a good need for that, uh, but this, this, this fit piece is, is absolutely critical. And when you get that nice mesh of what they want, what the company wants and what you want, and the values definitely on both sides, then it's, then it's easy. And then yes, make sure that they're uh, not crazy or uh, an idiot and, and then it will be fine. <laughs> and, and you had a few different roles, didn't you? And, and not traditional in the, in the word of the actual tradition. Mm. So the first role very much was, um, that was coming in and being a senior pricing, Actually, um, I'd moved from a managerial job, which I was, I'd kind of really started to enjoy that side of the work, to a, a bit more technical, but very much independent contributor going around doing these sort of things. But very quickly, um, Tassilo moved on to um, another role in the company. Core then took the chief actuary role, and I took on the head of pricing, uh, which is kind of where I wanted to go. That was that that was my sort of pinnacle of like, right, I want to be head of pricing somewhere, and that had been my drive to get to something like that at some point. And then I did it for a couple of years, got a really good team in place, worked with some really amazing people in the market. Wait, excuse me, way too many to mention here and had genuinely one of the best teams I've ever worked with um, from the actual, from an actuarial point of view and got that team sort of to the point where this sort of everyone it was it was humming right we were delivering stuff we were going through this transformation we'd we'd built out a whole new way of doing pricing um, across uh, all of the global units uh, across all of the different regions and it was in a really good place uh, but I realized I'd realized at that point I definitely want to didn't want to go and then be chief actuary. Um, Core was um, we we used to have pre pre him moving to be a chief actuary we used to have regular catch ups weekly or so. Um, with him moving over to chief actuary and me taking over the pricing, I caught up with him once every couple of months, uh, and every time I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm just so busy on the reserving and risk capital. Tom, don't ever come and do this. You'll hate it. <laughs> it's like I, I don't get to do pricing anymore, and he he loved that pricing side as well, and. And probably not all chief actuary roles are the same. 
but that was really a kind of a wake-up call for me to go actually I don't think this is the right the right route for me anymore and so I kind of wanted it I I was like well what, what else do I want to do and I, I really wanted to go and be part of the sort of the the, the business unit so frontline underwriting or claims or getting involved with something like that but finding a route from there from a head of pricing role is is was was quite tricky um, a lot of other actors have managed to sort of get through the sort of pricing side and then sort of embed themselves in the business and come up through that way which is a really really good route to do but because of my seniority it was much harder to maybe go and jump and do that right so I couldn't necessarily go and run a line of business because I had no underwriting experience but equally I couldn't go and jump in and be a junior underwriter because that would have been very weird and um, definitely not adding as much value as I'd want to and I spent it was a couple of years working with HR really pushing to see what what it, what it is I could do in a path to get there and an opportunity uh, came about with a chief of staff role uh, which again was a little bit unusual for someone in my position but provided a kind of stepping stone out into the business and actually as it turned out that role was also really fascinating so working with a board member um, helping run the regional unit london business working with some really great leaders within the london office and, and sort of building up my experience that way also getting to see a real sort of top-down view of, of of how companies work before then finding an opportunity um, in the underwriting side which was again the ultimate uh, goal and yeah when that opportunity came around that was that was great and, the, and Allianz very kindly helped me maneuver into that and I took over the general aviation and uh, aerospace team in London and again had a job which was just amazing right this is this is you are now out in the business you are you're doing you're meeting brokers you're meeting clients you're traveling on business you're seeing all of these things and really experiencing that very relationship driven market which I think if you're sitting in back office sort of actuarial, you don't necessarily get to see. Um, and I, I was going to have for lunches. You know, this is this is a, this is a brand new thing, right? And um, I think I think actuarial teams are better at uh, getting invited out these days. But uh, back in the day, we certainly weren't. So it was very much no, no. We need to keep the actuaries away from, away from the business people. Um, so uh, that was that was a revelation. And there's probably a couple of months where we, we, we overdid it slightly. But then when, once you once you sort of settle into that uh, that role. And again, the impact that you can have there, because I wasn't burdened with like having, this is the way we've done underwriting for the last 20 years, and this is the way we'll continue to do it. I could very much go in and go, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you doing it this way? Like, what, what's this process going on here? Why, why don't we just do it like this? And asking those really stupid, well, stupidly obvious questions sometimes, which if you're kind of embedded in it all, you just, you just don't do that. You just don't question why. Uh, whereas I could quite happily go in and go, why did you do that? It's, oh, because this. It's like, ah, yes, that's why you need to do it. Okay. Or like most times it's like, why are you doing this? I don't know. It's like, okay, do we need to do it this way? Well, that's what it says here. And, and being able to transform that process was, was again, really exciting and really interesting. And this was also at a time that the market was in a, uh, a bit of a dire state for aviation. The rates have been coming down and down and down. So being able to find, help find a way of, of making, making profit again uh, was, was tough. But um, luckily, I had, again, had a very good team who helped the market. Well, the market helped as well, finally, by turning in 2017. But... Yeah, that was exciting times. And as you said, maybe now not the most traditional route, right? So a bit of reserving, some pricing on the SME side, some pricing on the big commercial side, chief of staff role, and then underwriting. And it was good. That was, that was 14 years, but lots of different roles. So it didn't, it didn't quite feel like that long.
I did a workshop at Jara years ago, it must be 10, 12 years ago, and it was on alternative careers for geoactories. Uh-huh. And we sort of came to the conclusion that there wasn't really. Like at that point, risk really? was pretty innovative. When, when was this? Probably 2012, 2013, okay. 14. Uh, but you've always managed to sort of be, I'd say you're ahead of the game for, for actuaries or the head of the curve. What advice would you give to people to sort of engineer these positions or how have you gone about it? Because you've always sort of land on your feet and the passion that you show and you always seem to love your job and when you don't you then move and find something else that you love what how have you managed to do that or what advice would you give to someone um it's a good question you know it's 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 a lot about having a good old think about what you want to do i know that sounds a bit weird but it's it, it genuinely is it having i worked a little bit with a career mentor who helped me understand what it was that got me out of bed in the mornings and it wasn't about, oh, I want to be head of pricing, right? That, that's, I'd had that in my head and I got the drive to be there. But as it turns out, I didn't want to be head of pricing because of head of pricing. It, there's a whole bunch of other reasons that I really wanted to do stuff. And we, we kind of mapped back in the, my career, what are the things like, like, and you can do this exercise, right? It's, it's actually really easy to do. I'm doing, doing it with some of my, the team now where you, you, you take a look back over the last however long your career is and go right where what are the points where i was having just the best time and you pin, you plot all of those and then if you want to do as well you can plot all the points where i was really not having a good time and then you've got this nice sort of wavy graph going up and down because because it's not always nice and nice and flat at the top and then identify well, okay well, what, what was it at these points here that was really really exciting and this was my sort of self-reflection but it, my, mine turned out to be it's these times when i was helping transform um, and not just that as well, there was also some uh, leadership and management sort of built into there as well. So I needed to have sort of both of those sort of things to really, really make me excited about it. And when one or both wasn't there, that's when things started to, to, to sort of drop off. And then particularly where I wasn't able to have an impact in the role, that's when I was really at a sort of low. So it turns out that it's, it's like, okay, I now understood a little bit about what it was I wanted to do and it wasn't a specific role let's say it was it was more what do I want to get out of these things you know I, I we did this nice exercise where I had these hundred cards with lots of different words written on them stuff like uh, autonomy and uh, financial stability and lots of these different things and you have to rank them eventually into your sort of top 10 and autonomy came out really really high for me but that and that was because I want to be able to be I, I want to have some impact and and it be empowered to do so and then that opens up a whole world of like, well, it doesn't need to be this particular actuarial job or this or this. So that's the, and that's, that's the first stage is, is sort of recognizing in yourself what it is that you actually want to do and what, what really kind of sparks that passion. And then the tricky part is then going and finding how to do it. And HR in, um, in, in both the companies I've worked with, particularly, particularly Allianz, were a great help with this. And speaking to them, and sort of thinking about sort of explaining all of this and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it and helping them help me map out a little bit about where I could go in the company and go, well, you can't just jump to here and should you have a think about claims and then going and speaking to those people in those departments and finding out a little more what to do. But having that HR machine around you as well, when these opportunities do come up, like the chief of staff role, they gave the the C, the, the, C, the local CEO, uh, Carson Sheffield, also a great leader, great guy, a little nudge saying, um, you might want to consider this person over here. It's a bit unusual. Not it's not something doing, but he is super keen to go and do something like this because he wants to go and get over here. And you could have a really good few years with with getting some value out of him there. 
and without HR having sort of supported that and, and been in the background, not to say, oh, there's a role here and you're ready, but over a couple of years, finding that sort of right thing and helping in the business, that, that helped no end. So it's, it's those two things. It's find out what makes you tick and then just, just lean on everyone that you can to, to help you do that. Just even letting people know that you're interested um, and this and this is this is with recruiters as well because it depends on some sometimes you just can't do it where you are and sometimes you can so it depends on the company that you're working with um, it's it's sometimes easier internally if you've got that buy-in because people can take a bit more of a, a risk on you but yeah having everyone knowing where you want to go and stuff uh, and, and it could be a conversation all of a sudden you go oh my goodness Tom I've got something for you uh, and do it, and we, we've had these conversations as well, right? Well, so it's it's you, you know full well what I was trying to do, and you weren't just going to fire me any kind of job at all. It's like, but when one came up where you were like, this is the one for you, then we had a good conversation about it, and it's it's, it's it was the same internally. It was all these people then knew that I wanted to go and do something like this, and when the right opportunity came, boom, it was it was there to take. I think that's it's so interesting because we'll come on to it in a minute, but you then left Alliance or were leaving Alliance. And I was helping you, and I got you a job offer at Willis Towers Watson, very senior pricing role, and we're working through the process, and we've worked together a long time, so I know what drives you and what makes you tick. And then you were telling me about this other offer that you had, which wasn't through me, and I was sort of in this strange situation where I'm like, yeah, actually, the other one sounds amazing, but obviously, if you go there, I'm not going to get paid. But me being me, and sort of having been in the market a long time, half of me was saying, Tom, go and do this other role because it sounds amazing. And if it was me, that's what I'd love to do because it's startup, it's exciting. But on the other hand, I'm there going, I'm not going to get paid. But we sort of play the long game in at Ed HFG and try and support people and believe in karma. So what goes around comes around type thing. And for me, it was tough to say that is the right choice. But I genuinely believed it was the right choice. And that, and, and, that, and all credit to you for, for doing that the the Willis job also would have been amazing and that's that was that was the example I was talking about earlier where again that that process was incredibly rapid and we found a good match quite early on spoke to the right people everyone was all excited about it and then I also had this other thing which was going on and and I had I had a really difficult decision to make and it's it's yeah do, do I go do I continue with the big sort of corporate type entities or do I go and do something on a very different sort of scale uh, and and a different pace and yeah I, I, another day maybe I'd maybe I'd chosen differently but that's that's what I like with working like people like yourself and and a couple of others I only really work with um like two or three people maximum in the market at least for my my career and everyone including yourself is very much like helping me make those sort of right decisions and you, you could have you could have easily gone and pushed me really hard to go and do this and because you do want to get paid, I mean that's this is your job, right? Always nice. <laughs> um, but but you but you 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 gave me show me all the benefits of it. But you were also sort of like yes, I can see why you're all open to this as well. And I was getting the same from from the other side, and it was it was it was an interesting and it was it was a difficult decision, and it took quite a few conversations with people to figure out which way to go. And I'm sure I would have loved um, that job um, as well. And yeah, as it turns out, there wasn't to be. But as you said, um, this, this you play the long game in these sort of markets, right? And we will work together again, I'm sure, at some point. And so, so tell yeah. us a bit about HX. Yeah, so um, hyper exponential. I don't, I don't know how many people listening have, have heard of that. Hopefully, more, uh, more than a few, more than a, uh, uh, more than did a few years ago. But yeah, hyper exponential is a it's a SaaS company, it's a technology company, and it is. 
I was, I was trying. I was thinking the other day about. Uh, I've, I've got. To, we we have, we we have the, the the way of describing what we're doing. But um, I was reflecting on what it is we actually do, and uh, this is all the stuff that I was doing before um, from an actuarial and an underwriting point of view. This was this was building out platform where you could you could put any pricing tool on there and enable the underwriters to to make the best decisions possible. And if I'd have had something like this when I was doing the pricing transformation at uh, uh, Allianz years ago, it would have been so much easier and, and, and so much better. You know, we, we, we may do with Excel and, so, and some databases um, sitting behind it, which for the time was, was really, really good. But this was the, the sort of next level in, in technology and the company, the, the, the way the company goes about its business is, 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 is really amazing. So this is, this is about the Fitbit, which I, I wanted to, uh, sort of mentioned again finding a place where you and the company really sort of match like that in terms of values we, we, we have a big thing about our values and actually we have an interview dedicated to that and, and nothing else we, we, we have we have a number of questions we ask specifically around surfacing up your values our values how they sort of intermingle and you know we, we've 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 had to turn some really good technical people away because actually that 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 fit doesn't work and being somewhere like that which takes the values incredibly seriously, makes it a great place to work. So I get to work in a place where I have this great technology, I can go and help companies transform, which is what I've been trying to do for years anyway internally, um, and then work with some great people who, who really enjoy what they're doing and are super passionate. And that's, that's why I love it. You know, it's, 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 it's really great. You know? and, and I, I keep having to, I keep getting told off by marketing because I keep saying I'm here to transform the market. It's like you're also here to sell technology. It's like oh yeah 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 sure sure, but I'm I'm here to I'm here to transform the market as well. You know it's genuinely a pleasure to work with again so many different really good really forward looking companies who want to go and transform the way they're working from an actuarial point of view, from an underwriting point of view, from that collaboration point of view, and just enable this really good decision making and they're all passionate about doing that as well. And I can, I can help, you know, and, and the software can help and the company can help. And it's, it's really great to be doing that across the market. So yeah, it's, it's just genuinely a great place to be. I think you can see that as well. I, I spoke to some of the guys at um, Jaro and they're just so energized and passionate about it. You can see the glint in their eyes when they're, they're talking about work. It's, it's really refreshing to see. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's 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 a, it's a mixture. I've I've always worked with insurance professionals um, over the years, and um, a lot of our company are not insurance professionals. Um, in fact, the vast majority are, are not, and they come from various different parts of the tech world and um, engineering and technology and and uh, and sales and and all these other sort of areas which I hadn't really come across. But then they lean into the world that we're what we're doing here and and, and get it and can get super passionate about it as well. Um, and which just goes to show, you know, that, that everyone sort of says that oh, insurance is kind of boring place. I've got a company full of people who never really thought about insurance before, who are super passionate about doing this as well. As you said, you, you can see it; it's, it's palpable, and everyone's doing their bit to to, to enable this, um, and, and that's and that's really kind of cool to see. So yeah, it's it's yeah, everyone's got that sort of passion for it, and it's 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 just it's it's so nice to see that energy sort of channeled towards um, doing some good stuff in the market. And what's uh, where do you see HX in the next three five years then? Well, we'll have to see, won't we? Um, you know, we're 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 on a really good trajectory at the moment. Um, we've got a lot of uh, really great clients that we're working with. 
my job is um, I'm the VP of customer consulting and um, my job is to basically make sure that our customers are getting the maximum value out of the platform and there that's that's my kind of sole aim so over the coming years that won't change um, maybe hopefully we'll have more clients uh, as we go through uh, which which uh, um, so far has been the case we've been growing incredibly rapidly uh, when I when I joined the company it was uh, 25 people um, I've now got a similar sized team to that and the company is well over 100 so it's 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 growing organically with with the uh, with, with the business and yeah I'd love to see that continue uh, and again work with more companies different companies all over the place we're working with more reinsurers now we're working with different parts of the market and yeah that I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenges for the next few years yeah awesome when I first met you I know you were heavily DJing at the time is, is that something that's still going on <laughs> yeah yeah um yes it is and and it's it's uh music's music's always been a passion of mine um, that goes way back in pre-university. Uh, I remember getting, uh, goodness me, um, the Prodigy Experience on cassette uh, back in the early '90s, and that was that was um, that was some of the first times I remember just going, "Yeah, I love I love this sort of music," and that's kind of continued throughout my my kind of path. And um, DJing is a nice outlet for that. So pre-COVID. Well, I'm trying to think with the last party. We, so we, we used to put on events around London. This was my sort of uh, outside of work persona and, uh, and, and passion. And yeah, we, we, we got DJs in from all over the world uh, to play at our events. Um, and of course I played as well. That was, that, was, that was the bonus of putting on our own events that, that, that we could play. And yeah, I played in a bunch of clubs around London, which was really good fun. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's, it started to get quite, quite busy with doing that. And whilst designing flyers and getting people to come and sort of doing all that marketing and stuff was good fun it was also incredibly draining um small family at the time as well and a uh, high pressure job was sort of okay i just need to ease off slightly um and then covid obviously happened um which actually turned out to be quite great for the uh, for the dj side of things because we um like now now you can't go out on a friday night right so instead we would uh we i'd set up a streaming service uh friends would jump on whatsapp groups stream the music uh, everyone have a little dance around for a couple of hours uh chat and stuff and then and then back off to to, to whatever everyone else was doing in, uh, in covid so uh, there were some good fun times with that but yeah it's it's still something i do i'm not not out playing in clubs anymore it's uh, way too, i'm <laughs> way too busy for that unfortunately but um i, I still play um, I was um, actually playing a bit this weekend with a friend and it's it's again a passion it's it's something outside of work that helps me uh, decompress um, and recover um, and I, that's incredibly important for uh, for everyone at work I, I know people work very very hard but recovery is, is really key um, I had a really good talk from a uh, from a psychologist a chap called Rob Archer um, a couple of weeks ago um, and he was talking about sort of building in recovery to to the way you work so if you're an athlete you plan to sort of peak at the uh, at the competitions but then you plan for recovery time right because you can't operate at that really really high level you'll just you'll just burn out now high performance high pressure roles they're no different to this and if you don't plan in recovery time you 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 will end, you, you can't you're flatline and you just can't you can't do that and so having something outside of work which is not related at all to what you do is is you need that to be able to recover regenerate and then get back onto it you know recovery is not just about getting a good night's sleep it's about engaging your mind into something completely different and 
DJing and things like that is is absolutely it for me. I if you're if you're playing music and listening to music, there is literally no way my head can like deal with any sort of work stuff. So it's pushed out, and and that's all you can kind of focus on. Um, and uh, I, everyone needs to uh, needs to have that. Like you, you play you play a bit of golf, right? And uh, yeah, I do golf. I run an awful lot actually. Of course you do. Um, but I've, I've got two small girls, so I think Barbie playing Barbie and Ken is pretty big for me at the moment at home but genuinely that distracts me that's that's great recovery as well right and it might not feel like it uh because uh that's also could be quite quite sort of full-on but actually something which is completely different will help you recover from one and actually and then your your weekends become your recovery from work and your work becomes your recovery from weekends and that's true when you've got this when you've got this really nice balance going on then the world is is great and that's that's how it works for me when i've when i've got this perfect balance between sort of the family side and been in the music and, and and the work. That's when I operate at my best in all of those sort of areas. And 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 you you'll feel it right when you've had a great weekend and you're buzzing for work and you get going. And then on a Friday you've had a great day, you've had a great week, and then you're back in the family and it's all going well. You know, one one kind of perpetuates the other. Yeah, someone was saying to me, Ollie Helm actually was saying it's like a stool with three legs on, and one one bit of the the leg comes off, then the whole thing topples over. So you need to have the balance and the recovery. A hundred percent. We, we, we have a lot of focus on well-being um, and, and good mental health at uh, Hyper Exponential. And that was something where, again, in a real high-pressure role, you've, you've got to be really, really mindful of. And, yeah, when that balance goes out of, out of whack, it's, it's, it goes bad. And for me, it was, it, I, it was understanding that I'm only really good at the work thing because I, I, I take time to do these other things. And you, you're a kind of combination of all of these, yeah? If you, if you push these out and just work harder, you're unlikely to get better. And okay, yeah, short term, you can, you can do that. And sometimes you need to do more family stuff and sometimes you need to do more work stuff. But if you push it all out and have that imbalance, then you, don't, you, you lose who you are. And that's where your kind of superpower comes from, right? You, you, you're a combination of all of these things you do. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that, in that balance. I, 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 like the, uh, I like the stall analogy. That's very good. And let's finish then. Uh, should, we, should we talk about Jaro? What was your first Jaro? Oh goodness! Um, I think some of the, some of the early gyros was back at Celtic Manor. Um, I think I did. I, I can't. Remember. I, we, I went to quite a few. It was gyro is a really great place to um, a bit of CPD, but it's a lot about networking um, as well, which in insurance um, should not be underestimated. It's a massively relationship-driven industry, and having having all of those sort of say similar-minded people around in the same places is, is really great, and you can you, it's. I, I, I tended to get a lot more out of the sort of social events than I did out of uh, some of the talks. So um, I probably don't remember some of the talks apart from this year when there was definitely two which uh, made me kind of sit up and think. Uh, one on climate change, I don't know if you saw this, and one on geopolitical risks, both of which basically said we're all doomed. Yeah. So, the world's on fire. <laughs> the world is on fire. Uh, or where it's not, it's underwater. Or where it's not, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, there's some crazy stuff going on. Um, but... I, I've, I've enjoyed the gyros in lots of different places. I've had um, the great pleasure of talking at a few. I think one of my favourite talking ones was in Edinburgh, um, must be sort of mid-2010s, and I did a uh, presentation on drones. And drones were becoming a big thing at the time, and uh, I actually flew my drone around uh, around the arena, uh, much to the dismay of the very hungover actors on the Friday morning. <laughs> and <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I do remember that. I do enjoy that. And I've had a few people since come up to me, oh, I saw you were dry. you were a guy who flew the drone. It's like, yes. Do you remember any of the content? No. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's, that was the most important takeaway that I had a drone. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Tom, and uh, best of luck over the next few years. Thanks, for this. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you.